Welcome to another episode of the Proud Rev podcast. I'm your host, Dara Veda Pragyananda, or some people call me Dara Veda, it doesn't matter, whichever you want. And we're looking at the news from the perspective of the progressive utilization theory, which is also known by its acronym, PROUD. So today I want to address uh, a burning issue of international news. Also, if you're in the U.S., it's national news. And it's a question about Afghanistan, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which President Biden uh, has carried out or is partially carrying out. It's not completed, but it's, it's, uh, it's raising some very serious um, issues. On one hand, people who have, are generally of a progressive state of mind, you know, very happy that this endless war, this is a war which began in 2001, and it's, it's going on to 2021, 20-year war, and many lives have been lost, and um, many atrocities have taken place, um, if you consider drone warfare and so many other things that have happened. Uh, both sides have, have suffered, but especially the people of that region have suffered very much. So the question is, yeah, definitely um, one People will say it's very good, end this war. But then other people are saying, oh, the, the Taliban is a very, um, it's a theocratic movement and women will be suppressed, minorities will be suppressed. And that's a valid concern also that, that, uh, that the world should not be a place where any minority or any segment of the society is, is oppressed by anybody. But the question comes, really, we have a, a world where these things are going on, but who shall police the world? This is the question. The U.S. is acting like the policeman of the world, the, the, the war on terror as a police police action. They don't even declare war anymore. It's just a, it's considered a police action. They're policing the world, making the. It goes back to a long time. Even in World War One, the U.S. said we're fighting to make the world safe for democracy. And these are really slogans because all of these wars have been fought on the basis of some kind of a particular national interest. All the wars, even World War II, it's sometimes considered uh, a holy war against you know evil, but there was imperialism on both sides of, of that war. We shouldn't ever forget that. So the question is, that in a, in a fair world, in a more just world, in a sane world, how should the world be policed? Uh, and how should issues such as if, if some movement is seriously threatening the lives of minorities or, or a segment of the society, how would that be stopped? How could, how could that be prevented? So the solution is not for one imperial power, such as the United States, which has um, been the dominant power since uh, World War II ended. Or, like, we have another example in history. Uh, the Roman Empire at one point conquered the whole Mediterranean region, and that, that period of relative peace was called the Pax Romana. So it's not the, the jurisdiction of an individual imperial country to, to rule the world or to keep the peace of this world. It doesn't, it may be bring peace, but it won't bring justice. So how to bring peace and also justice to this troubled planet? So I'm gonna take a, um, 
to look into the writing of P.R. Sarkar, and he, he addresses it by, first of all, he says that universalism has to replace nationalism. So right now, people think more in terms of their nation-state or the particular group, even smaller than nation-state. But what Sarkar said, that we have to expand our arena of, of thought to encompass this whole of humanity. And from that universal perspective, we have to figure out a solution. And the solution that he proposes is something which humanity has tried before or made feeble efforts, you can say, but it's, it's a question, the concept of, of world government, global governance, to set up an institution which would effectively uh, bring peace and also justice to this world. So this is what has to be done. So even if we study the recent history in the, of the 20th century, there was the League of Nations, which was created after the carnage of World War One, and that didn't work. Um, World War Two happened, and then after World War Two happened, another try was made, and the United Nations was set up. But the United Nations also has not been able to uh, become an effective power. And the reason why is certainly is, is the main reason why these uh, attempts failed, the League of Nations and the United Nations, is that that world body was not didn't have the authority to override any national authority. So that's why in the present world, if, if some nation does something to any minority, they say it's our internal matter and you can't, nobody can uh, poke their nose into it. So this is uh, this, this, the, the, the failure of those previous attempts at global governance, that the, the global body didn't have proper authority. So what Sarkar, Pierre Sarkar, is mentioned, and he first mentioned it, I think, is in his book Problems of the Day, um, back around 1960, he says that we have to, one day, and, and the sooner the better, establish a world government. And he recognizes that there are a lot of um, objections and fears about a world government. So he said that to allay these fears, the best way to go about it is in a stage-wise process. And in that stage-wise process, he gives an example. This is not a, a, you know, a fixed in stone how it's going to be done, but he says that, for instance, there could be an upper house where each country sends its representatives, kind of like the, the, the U.S. Senate, where there are representatives of every state, regardless of their population. And there would be a lower house, and the lower house would be represented, would reflect re populations of, of the world. So there would be a different composition in that lower house. And the lower house would be the body in this initial stage, which would frame the laws, but the, the representatives in the upper house would have the right to, to veto or oversee that process, you know, vote against laws that were framed. And he also said another very interesting thing um, about this stage-wise process. He said that in, this, in the beginning of this system, the local government would only have administrative power in their particular jurisdictions, that means in their so former nation states. And in that way, the, the benefit of that would be that 
that laws could not be made which would would, would punish or, or subjugate um, different kind of linguistic, religious, or, or other minorities that exist in those countries. So this is, um, this is something that Sarkar has, has mentioned, is it should be, should be established in the future, that there should be an effective world government. And that world government would have the, the authority, to, it would have its own militia, its own army, and they would take action in case there was some egregious um, violation of human rights any place in the world. And what is the benefits? You know, like many people, when you mention world government, they're afraid like anything that is a, will be subjugated all over the world. It's not just in the U.S., any place. You know, people have, have a, have a genu genuine fear of some um, uh, global dictatorial structure which would which would um, end freedom as we know it today. But really, first, before we address some of those fears, let's look at what benefits it could bring. And one of the benefits, which I've alluded to, is that minorities will, for the first time, be protected, regardless, um, no, no, an affair which is generally against human values will not be protected by the wall of, um, of a country saying it's our internal matter, no. Um, another thing which is really very important, and one of the most important consequences, is that, that the militia, the, the army, will be the world army, and local governments, the local armies, will be disarmed. And this will save enormous amounts of money, which is wasted today uh, in armaments. Think of the the amounts that are being spent, especially where I sit in the United States, the amount is um, is is really unconscionable when you consider that the human needs are, are not being ma made, they're not being met. And another thing, you know, which people today don't realize as much as someone who, like myself, grew up in the 1950s and the 60s, we were very aware that at any moment that nuclear Armageddon could take place, and we were not sure, really, about our future. Uh, we came very close to losing our future in the time of the, the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. And so, but now, after the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, um, people generally, um, that fear of a nuclear annihilation has gone. But the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, the people who... Um, look at the dangers which face humanity. They have a clock, and the clock has um, hands which go to midnight. And whenever there was a, a new atomic bomb discovery, then the hands moved closer to midnight. And so this, the hands of that atomic clock, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, is very close to midnight. And why is it close to midnight? The reason is there are still all these weapons to which we were afraid about, um, in the 1950s and 60s, they're still, they're there. They're still targeted and they're, they're ready to go at a at moment's notice. They could go. And there have been, in this um, post-World War II era, there have been many accidental um, scares, you know, which both sides have thought that they were being attacked. And it could, it just, it could be, it doesn't take long to, to launch um, a nuclear holocaust, but it, there's no way to bring it back once it's launched. So humanity sits with that, that danger is still there. We face it, and those weapons have to be taken down. 
But no individual country is going to do it unless there's security in this world. And that's why it's imperative that, um, that the world body um, be set up sometime soon. We don't know what our future is. And then we have some other issues that we have to deal with on a global basis. The environmental crisis, this is also a catastrophe for us, and it has to be dealt with in a, in a global way, not in a, the, from the particular interest of one particular nation or one particular economic class or one particular group. It has to be done. And we have even, as today we're seeing, we have health concerns that um, transcend national um, borders. So the future of humanity will certainly lie in, um, in, in a world body being set up. So that's why I've seen, I think, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Star Trek, but I think in the Star Trek they show the future, but then they, they have people representing different you know, countries or, or whatever. But no, in the future, in the Star Trek of the future, there'll be one crew, and that crew will be the crew of humanity. So that's the way, um, that's a proudest perspective, at least from my particular personal understanding of it, of this crisis. So is that, yes, it's a dilemma. It's a football. Um, end this war, end this endless war of imperialism, but then we're still stuck with the problem of of human rights and how to maintain the human rights. And that problem is not going to go away so easily, but it will be addressed um, in the near future by the establishment of a world government, of a world global body, which can bring about uh, peace, but also with justice. And this should be our goal in front of us. So that's my little um, take on, on this crisis. You know, I know that, that the, the president is in a hot seat. He, he's ending the war. Then people say, no, but, but you, you know, this is happening, that is happening. And you should have done it this way, you should have done it that way. It's a hot seat. But the only solution is beyond this um, narrow way that we're looking at it right now. The only solution is that, that sooner or later we have to address things from the standpoint of universalism and with the framework of a global body. So that's my take on the situation. And um, we'd like to hear about what you have to say. Send us an email to info at proudalliance.org. And this podcast originates from the website proudalliance.org. And um, we'd like to hear from you. And if you like this podcast, give it a thumbs up wherever you see it. Subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform that you're listening and come back again. We're going to be back again with more analysis from the perspective of the proudest view from the progressive utilization theory. So thank you for listening, and I hope to be with you again very soon.